Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. You can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Happy 4th of July. Uh, 4th of July. We, in, in, here in America, we celebrate this as a, important here. Uh, what, what are we celebrating? It's, it's the what? Go ahead. 4th of July, but what is it? It's the independence, yeah, freedom, all of that stuff, yeah. Um, or, you know, in our household, it's just, you know, to try not to get angry at our neighbors that are setting off fireworks at 1030 at night when we're trying to sleep, right? Uh, and for months, like, what, really, honestly, for months, we're going to do this? Like, uh, anyway, uh, that's just my own family. But it, freedom, right? This, it's about freedom and this independence. And do, do you know where it really originates from, where it comes from? It's this group of American colonies. They were colonized by, by Britain, and then they were wanting to get independence from the British royal crown. Right? They, they were being governed by the British royal crown, King George to be specific, and he, they wanted to have their independence from that. Independence from that. To be set free from that. To be set free from also requires then to be set free to. Right? If they're set free from something, what are they set free to? That's the big question with freedom. When you're set free from something, you're also set free to something. And for these uh, American colonies, they wanted to be set free from the governance of the royal British crown to be set free to govern themselves as they see fit. That, That is in this whole declaration, that's the thing that they're fighting, will fight a war to, uh, over. That as, as that brings the vision within the American colonies, there's some people that are loyal to the British crown. It's like, no, we need to maintain this and stay part of the, the, the royal crown. And, and others like, no, they, they're, they're putting too much on us. We want to break free from that so that we are free to govern ourselves as we see fit. And they fight a war over it. And the Americans win the war. We celebrate, hey, we have our freedom. We're free to live any way we want, <laughs> right? If you think about it, that's the way it's trickled down in life. Oftentimes, when you hear American people talk about freedom, it's very individual that they have this freedom not to live any way they want, even though it was intended to be just set free to govern themselves as a new group of people, a new governance, a new nation. And yet it works its way out. Now we just kind of govern ourselves. I mean, I'm going to govern myself. I'm going to live the way that I want to live, and I don't really care if that affects the way that you live because I'm going to live my way. Does this sound familiar at all? Because I'm using some words from the Bible, actually. There's nothing new that just happens with the American colonies. This is something that happens actually throughout the Bible. It's a biblical theme uh, of people deciding that they're going to live life the way they want to live it. They're going to govern themselves. They're, they're free to do that. They're going to do it apart from anything that God would impose upon them, right? God, I'm going to do it my own way. And I'm going to live the way I want to, and it doesn't matter how it affects other people. In fact, if it's counter to me, I'm just going to roll over you. 
I'm going to gain more power, more wealth, and more people, and whatever it is, and I'm going to start ruling over you. It's a biblical storyline. Throughout the whole Bible, you see this problem of people breaking away from a partnership with God and definitely not collaborating with one another. They, they just rule themselves and then rule over each other. I'm going to take you on a little uh, scriptural journey, if you wouldn't mind, to show you what I'm talking about. And it actually starts in a time uh, that the Jewish people, the Israelites, uh, will be enslaved. They will be no longer free, right? They're enslaved by another people group, the Egyptians. And we see, if, we, if we're willing to see the perspective of that ruler, the, the, the pharaoh, the king of Egypt, if we can see what he's concerned about, you see the focus that is on himself and the way that he sees it best to govern his kingdom and his people. Right? The focus is all on that self-governance, okay? but it ends up enslaving other people. That doesn't matter, right? Because as long as he can maintain his kingdom. Okay, so uh, this, is, this is the second book of the Bible. It's called Exodus, and we're going to just look at a little snippet, which if it's the second book of the Bible, there's a book that came before it that actually helps to set this up, and we're skipping that. I just want to make clear, a little disclaimer, um, and people are getting annoyed at me from going back to Genesis all the time. Anyway, so uh, we're going to start with the second book of the Bible instead of the first one. Uh, and, and this is just the beginning of it. This is, this is the Pharaoh's perspective, and you can see it here, right? You can follow along here. You can open up the church app and uh, click on notes, and you can find those notes there. Uh, or maybe you have a digital Bible or use the Bibles here. But this is Exodus chapter 1, and we're going to see the perspective of this king, of the situation that he is in, and how can he maintain the Egyptian nation through this, okay? So let's just get into it and give him a little grace here in his thought process. So uh, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, said to his people, look, the people of Israel outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. They will escape from the country, from the land. There's a few things that he's concerned with here, yeah? But if you just leave it open there for yourself, and just let's just review what he's concerned about here, right? He, the, 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 the Israelite people, this minority group in Egypt, is starting to become more powerful than the ones in power. This, this minority group of people is starting to become the majority. I mean, I'm starting to feel afraid that it's going to tip the scales in their favor, and we're going to lose the way that we're going to govern, yeah? Also, did you see the anxiety in the way he's talking and addressing things? Anybody that deals with anxiety knows that you, you live in the world of what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this? What if that, right? And do you see this, the double what ifs, right? If we don't come up with this plan and if war breaks out, right? If, 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 if. What's going to happen? They're going to fight against us, and they're becoming stronger than we are, and they're, they're becoming more numerous. We need to limit that. We have to put that in control. And then there's this weird last line, right? What is he worried about here? What, they're going to escape the country? They're going to leave the land? They're my possession. They need to stay here. They need to do their job. 
This is our workforce. If they're not here, who will do this work? Right? This is, this is what he's worried about, that they're going to escape and leave the land. They're no longer his possession. Pharaoh, he's got power trip issues, right? Like control issues. Like he's really freaking out because he's losing his power and losing his control, losing his possession. And really, the story really should set us up to, to look at our own lives. Do we ever become like Pharaoh? The Israelite people actually did. We'll get to the story here in a second, but they end up getting out of the land and then eventually having their own land and becoming their own nation with their own king that will then break away from doing what God wants to do and enslaving other people. They become Pharaoh. If you trace that storyline, the thing to reflect on is like, I have the potential to become like Pharaoh, to be so focused on what's best for me and how I can govern my life and how I can maintain the control and the power and my possessions that it starts to, well, enslave me and I become a slave to that. And it could affect other people in a negative way and enslaving them and me ruling over them and trying to control them. So this is, we can take a little reflection on this thing. But God's going to set them free, the Israelites free from that whole ideology, the whole kingdom of Egypt, the, the, the control and the power of Egypt and that they've been enslaved to. He's going to set them free from that. But what is he going to set them free to? Right? If we get set free from something, we're also set free to something, right? That's what we stated at the beginning. And so what is it that God's going to set them free to? Well, after a bunch, I'm skipping over a whole bunch of stuff here, guys. I really encourage you to read Exodus. Um, but we're skipping over a bunch. But eventually, God brings these Israelites out of this land of Egypt, out of slavery, and brings them to this mountain where they're going to worship God. And then he's going to speak to this guy named Moses, that's going to then speak to the people to give them some instructions. And what we see at the beginning of this is, is what type of people God is setting them free to become. What are they being set free to? All right? So this is uh, actually Exodus 19, sorry, verse 5, I think. Um, now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, right? If you will obey me. So God's going to give them instructions. And are they going to follow those things? And are they going to keep this partnership with God? That's what this covenant is. A covenant is this agreement between two parties to conduct themselves in a certain way. So if they're going to keep that partnership while they obey God, this is super crucial, we'll come back around to this, right? Then you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth, for the earth, all the earth belongs to me. Now, let's just think about that for a second, okay? Let's go back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's got this land that he governs, right? He rules over and people that he rules over. Did Pharaoh create that land? No. God created the land and therefore everything that, that is on the land also belongs to God. He's not just talking about land. He's talking about people, that all people... God, God is in this relationship with all people. 
but yet this, this Israelite group of people could be his own special treasure among from all the people. And they, they will have a special role in this. And if they would do what he says, right? Listen to this teaching and his instruction and maintain and keep that covenant, okay? If those two are things are, are, are true, then they become this new people. What are this new people that they become? And you will be my kingdom of kings, right? You each individually rule on your own as you best see fit. It doesn't use that language, does it? It uses this language, or this, this word priests, right? You will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is a message you must give to the people of Israel. So if they are a kingdom of priests, therefore they're in a kingdom and they're not the kings, who's the king? God's the king, right? And, and God has a partnership with them, a covenant with them, as well as instructions of how to live in God's kingdom. Is this kingdom made up of their own self-interest? <laughs> no, it's not, right? This is the key piece of this whole thing. And they are kingdom of priests. What's important about priests? What do, what do priests do? I mean, and I don't want us to think about, you know, maybe some of you have some Catholic uh, upbringing or things like that. I'm not, we're not talking about that. We don't want to take that idea and shove into here. We're trying to see priests from the biblical sense. How, what do priests do? Priests served in the temple, didn't they? They didn't have their own land. They were, they, they were cared for by the people and their donations as the people were trusting God and, and living into his commands and keeping that covenant. And they were supported by that, but they also served the people in bringing, well, forgiveness and blessing to everyone. You got a whole kingdom full of people. Each individual person has special gifting and talents to serve God, to, to be a priest, to serve others. That's what this whole nation is supposed to be about, provided that they keep God as king, listening to his instructions, and keeping that covenant, right? Now, like I shared before already, we know that that didn't work out really well, right? It gets, they, they end up getting their own kingdom, right? And then they get, start living their own ways. They break the covenant with God and they start living in such a way, in such a way they end up, um, the kingdom ends up breaking into two kingdoms, right? And we know this when you read the stories of the kings, they have the two different kingdoms. You remember what they are, right? The red kingdom and the blue king. I'm sorry, that's us. We have the, we've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? Yeah, we, we have this, two different ways that they both see what's best to self-govern and rally the troops around their ideology to govern this way, right? That's what happens with the, the Jewish people. But Jesus picks up on this story as he has this conversation with people that believe in him. Like they believe that Jesus is this anointed one sent by God to usher in God's kingdom, and essentially is this royal figure that also will serve as a, as a priest to all the people and setting up a God's kingdom where Jesus is king and then bringing out blessing to all people that would trust in Jesus, right? 
So there's this group of people that believe in Jesus that he has a conversation with. And this very thing about uh, selfishness and self-centeredness and self-rule and governance is really at the heart of this whole conversation if we take a look at it. So John chapter 8, starting verse 31. This is the beginning of the conversation. Jesus is talking to this group of people. And Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Do we hear any overlap in language about listening to my commands and keeping my covenant? Because this is what it's about. If you're truly my disciples, you will remain faithful to my teachings. You will listen to what I say, right? what I'm teaching you. And when you do that, when you are faithful to God's teachings and you're in that covenant, what happens? You get to know the truth. And Lord Almighty, the truth will set you free, right? We love that line. We love that line. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Almighty, the truth has set me free. What in the world does that even mean? I honestly, as I sit here and I ponder this, I've read this many times, and like, so I know there's a truth out there that if I follow Jesus, right, and I keep this covenant with him, and I'm listening to his teachings because I'm a disciple of his, which means in the biblical sense of a disciple is there's a teacher there that you spend so much time with and you listen to their teaching. It, it transforms the way that you think and feel and move and make decisions about things so much so that you are, start acting like that very teacher, okay? Uh, and so if you're doing that, if true disciples of Jesus, if you're really following him, you will discover a truth out there and that truth will set you free. Free from what? What, what is the truth that should set me free? What, what, what is it that I have to discover is true that sets me free? Set free from what? And set free to what? Right? This is what we're trying to figure out. And, and actually, the people Jesus is talking to, the Israelite people that know the story that Jesus, we walk through in so much more depth than I could ever discover and ever really get into, they know that story they have the same question that I have of Jesus. They're trying to put this together. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Set free. Set free from what? Check out the next verse here. John chapter 8, verse 33. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? What are you talking about? Just think about this for a second, though. There's a problem here. There's a problem with their own memory. There's a problem with themselves. As Israelite people that every single year sit down and celebrate a commemorative meal about being freed from the land of slavery, they sit here and go like, we've never been slaves. What? What? How do you need you just selective memory or what? Every single year you go through this. What are they focused on? Themselves. 
we literally have never been slaves in this present age, this present moment. We have not. Maybe our ancestors, but we, we have not. Right? They're focused just on themselves and how they govern themselves because they're, they're children of Abraham. Right? That's the real thing to be tied to. Like they just gloss over that piece. What are you setting us free from? If I can't understand what I'm being set free from, how can I understand what I'm being set free to? Right? Well, Jesus is going to give them some clarity on this. So verse 34. This is Jesus now speaking back to them. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Remember, there's a truth from Jesus' teaching we're supposed to get. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's doing two things. One, giving you a teaching that's going to give you the truth that will help to set you free, okay? So kind of all together. So I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins, well, they're a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Hmm, okay, sin. Yeah, you know, get a potty mouth once in a while, so I'm a slave to that. Or, or uh, sometimes, you know, I tell a little bit of a falsehood, a little white lie, I'm a slave to that, right? Is that what he's talking about? What's the root, the really deep down thing that is the sin in God's eyes? Is that we've broken that partnership with God and we decided we're going to rule our life the way we be best see fit. And no influence from God whatsoever. That's the sin that we end up enslaving ourselves to. Anyone who sins, who anyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's the truth. That if you can sit with Jesus, King Jesus, and and not just hear his teachings, but listen to it, like engage with it and actually start living it out, you learn this truth of the way in which you yourself sin. There are so many things that we want to have control of and we don't want to lose power to and, and, and we want to keep our possessions, whatever it is. Maybe it's actually physical possessions, money and house and cars and things like that, or possessions that are other human beings, like our kids and our grandkids and our spouses or our relationships or our friends, and we just want to hold on to those. Those are my possessions. Those are my things. Can we see ourselves in this a little bit? Because Jesus is going to give a little line after this, which takes some time to really ponder and think about, about how someone who is a slave is never a true member of the household, but a son is a member forever. And if the son sets you free, you're free indeed, right? That's the line. And you know the truth. The truth will set you free. You only can get to the truth by understanding who's in charge. Who's the king? Am I the king? Resounding no reverberates throughout the whole place here, right? Everyone knows I'm not the king. Are you the king? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe I need to think about that a little bit more. If, if we are going to be true Jesus followers, true disciples of Jesus. It means we are going to really listen 
to what Jesus is instructing us to do and, and to then live that out and to be faithful to him and keeping that covenant, right? And it brings us into being a kingdom of what? Little kings and queens? Kingdom of priests that, that, that are here to serve one another. In fact, that's exactly the way the early church started understanding this. Here, here's how they connect Jesus' teaching back to God's instructions and teaching that really is getting at the heart of what we have an issue with. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. For you have been called to live in freedom. Freedom, to do whatever I want? No, free to what? We're going to find that out. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. What's best for me? What the way I think I should live for myself? Self-governance. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Be a priest. Serve the other. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, the command that Jesus talked about that was given first by God uh, on Mount Sinai right, to the people. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's best, their best interest and what's my best interest needs to be the same interest. And that's where it gets a little scary, doesn't it? Because we will naturally gravitate to going like, well, what, what is your interest in? What's, what's best for you? Will you tell me what's best for you? Oh, that's what's best for you? Oh, that's different than what's best for me. But let's figure this out and try, try to work together. Let's just, let's just collaborate that way. And that's just us trying to figure it out when we've missed that that connection, that first partnership starts with that relationship with Jesus as king. What did Jesus instruct us to do? And once we understand and learn what Jesus is instructing us to do, now we can enter into conversations about what is best as we serve one another in love. Not ruling over each other, not trying to hold on to our own possession, but quite the opposite. And if Jesus, our king, who also served as priest, not sacrificing an animal on our behalf, but in his very self, that's the type of live, a life that we live with one another. That's what serving one another in love looks like. So I'm going to invite you into a little moment here to, and I, I dare I say, use this terminology very carefully, but pledge your allegiance to Jesus as king that that's where it starts, that that's where your instruction for how to understand who God is and how to live life in him, to be a person that's a priest in his kingdom, to serve others, that's where it starts. And so I, I just invite you in to start there. Whether you've, you've lived your life that way, you've trusted in Jesus, obviously these people in John who believed in Jesus needed that moment. Right? And so maybe you and I, we need that moment. Or if you've never done that before, it's okay. This is the time to say, you know what? I've never really actually said, Jesus, you're actually the ruler of my life. I wanted you to forgive me, but I never really wanted you to rule me. And so I'm going to ask Jesus to, to rule my life. What instructions do you have for me? We're going to just start right there. So take this time, take this moment to 
say that Jesus, you, you are my king. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecove.com. Thanks for listening.